Hello. A wet spring and dry start to the summer have provided difficult forage growing conditions for many farmers across the country, leaving many short of homegrown feed this winter. So let's get some top tips from experts in this latest podcast on overcoming forage shortages and why taking action now is essential rather than waiting until the winter. Let me do a swap with you. If you give me 25 minutes of your time, I'll give you some expert advice. Let's not hang around. Let's get straight into this conversation with Lisa and Carenza from Mole Valley Farmers. Delighted to have uh, two familiar voices. In fact, I think they were the first voices on the Mole Valley podcast, Carenza and Lisa. Ladies, just uh, introduce yourselves to us. Let's start with you, Lisa. So Lisa Hambley, Head of Grassland and Forage Agronomy at Mole Valley Farmers. And I'm Dr. Carenza Hawkey, Nutritionist and Technical Projects Manager for Mole Valley Farmers. Excellent. I seem to remember Lisa telling me off last time that I didn't call you doctor enough, Carenza. So, um, you know, just want to tell me off for the beginning, Lisa? (laughs) No, I think you've nailed it those times there. We've got you trained up now. Well, we're here again, as we did, probably wasn't even a year ago, was it, when we talked about how tight forage stocks were back then. And here we are doing it again. Why Why are we speaking about it again, Lisa? Well, I think the, the spring wasn't very kind to start off with, so it didn't stop raining. Um, I think there was a little bit of an opportunity very early in the season in some areas to, um, yeah, to you know, get some fertiliser out and get some of the jobs done. But then we were just waiting and waiting, waiting for the for the ground to dry up. So um, following the forest shortage from last autumn, we weren't able to then catch up with forage stocks. Um, and then it just dried out. So, you know, we went from, um, you know, too much rain to not enough rain. And again, we're, we're challenged with, you know, the amount of forage that's actually going into the silage clamps. We were talking there about not much rain. We're recording this mid-July and it doesn't seem to have stopped raining for the for the minute, but I guess it's what's happened, Carenza, prior to this that's causing a few of the problems. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, as Lisa said, the stocks are tight anyway and um, across the winter, people probably fed more of the stuff they would have had in reserve and um, have gone into reserves more than ever before and um, there's just not the spare forage that there is on farm and we're sort of asking the question of how much do you actually have like if you count everything on the farm how much is there and taking a realistic not guessing what's there actually measuring your plants and coming up with a good number even if it's an approximation obviously because the dry matters will change throughout the clamps but coming up with a number of how much is on farm and then really taking a quite a harsh look at it well, we're going to be discussing these matters over the next half an hour or so so let's get straight straight into that. What were the questions then? What questions should we be thinking about when we're calculating a forage budget? I think so you need to sort of obviously, as I just said, how much is actually on farm? So how much are in your clamps? How much is bailed? You know, is there a random clamp somewhere that you haven't opened for a while or that sort of thing? And then the next question is, right, so how much can we feed per day? Or alternatively, when has that clamp got to last until? Um, making a decision either way and then you know if it's how much needs to be fed per day then do we need to be coming up with an alternative to extend that forage out further um do you need to be going down the whole crop route thinking about that is the maize crop going to last until new season maize or do we need to extend that out um 
and ultimately are there too many animals on farm and do we have to look at stock numbers and take a realistic look at that you know with the falling milk price um we've got to feed these animals and if you want your forage to last then possibly some animals have got to be sold yeah and i think you know i i concur with the animals numbers having um gone through um previous seasons uh, where forage has been short you think you've got enough for the cows maybe or the dairy cows or you know the main ones you're thinking about and then you're not counting for all the young stock that you might have there um, and they can, you know, it can all add up, can't it, Corinza? We've had several conversations about this. If you, if you take, you know, your milking cows, your dry cows, the young stock, and there are some random beef animals running around the place, some sheep, you know, these all these animals need feeding. And um, it really is taking into account total stock on farm, everything that's going to eat forage. Um, and realistically, how much they are going to eat as well. I see the for the forage numbers as you know critical now, and it, it isn't so usually so early that we're having this this conversation. But I think the reason for doing this right now is that there is an opportunity. So um, you know, if, if we just rewind a little bit, I mean, maize has had a, a very tricky start in a lot of areas um, where it went so dry. Um, potentially, there could be reduction in yields from your maize crop. So even if um, you were grow growing the same amount of acres as, as you would normally, um, you know, I see that, you know, from a total dry matter yield, we could be down, could be 30% down. Um, and then the maize went in a lot later. So which could then mean that the starch isn't fully formed when you're having to cut it um, going into the clamp. So from a nutritional point of view, um, that's going to make a massive difference, isn't it, Corinne? Yeah, no, definitely. I think... You know, my, one of my concerns is the variability of what the maize silage is going to look like when it comes out of the clamp. You know, November time, once it's been in sowed for a while, are we going to have really, really variable because of how variable it looks in the field right now? Um, you know, some people have got it calf level and some people it's touching shoulders. So the variation across the country is just, yeah, ridiculous at the minute. Mm. Yeah, and the maize is one of those things, you know, unlike grass silage that can be massively variable. Usually maize is fairly consistent. Um, yeah, you might get a little bit of difference in dry matter. The starch might be up and down a little bit, but um, usually it's fairly consistent. You can rely on it, can't you? But um, I think for the first time that I've seen in, in a fair while, that, that might well not be the case. It just depends on, depending on how this summer goes. So, so you know, to, I suppose to circle back is what, what else can we do right now to try and um you know mitigate those circumstances that are all going to come together at once this this autumn um and my first step would be you know walk around those fields now see where the opportunities are because some people would have taken off whole crop instead of combining um and in which case you've got a bare field to me fabulous opportunity because right now we've got warm soils we've got moisture that is good crop growing so you know if we can put something in in the place of so whether that's a fast growing you know grass varieties or it could be a brassica that we could put some of these young stock on um then you know if we start planning now on those drier lands then it could be that um they're not taking so much pressure on the um clamped silage i don't know what you think about um young stock at winter in carenza yeah i think it's um you know with young stock especially 
dairy heifers, we, you know, you've got to think of the goal of when do you want them to calve down the age of first calving. And obviously that comes back to their growth rate. So we need to make sure that they are being fed enough to achieve the growth rate so we can serve them at the right time. Um, if we're turning them out on poor quality forages or not feeding them enough, they're not going to gain that growth rate and we're not, they're not going to get to the weight required when we need to serve them. So, um, but on the other side, if they've already been served and they're in calf and they're out as in calf heifers, and then we're not feeding them enough, are they going to calve down really poorly, have issues calving down? And then when they're in early lactation, are we going to end up with metabolic disorders because their energy metabolism isn't quite right? And um, so I think it's really important not to forget the young stock um, in all of this, because at the end of the day, they are the future of your herd and um, you need to look after them. Um, and you could probably say the same about current cows in lactation that are being dried off. And are they getting enough to eat? Yeah, because I suppose they might be turned out at a field slightly further away. Um, so you're not really thinking about them because you've got so much to do day to day. Um, and they they uh, they might not have um, what you think they might. Yeah, down especially those far off dry cows. You know, they get turned out in a field and not forgotten about, but. They're not on the higher the priority list, are they, when they're far off? Um, and then when they come to close up, they get looked after better. But that far off period, we still need to look after them. And I guess if um, those animals that are on straw as well, protein is another thing to consider, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So if, you know, if, you, if your grass silage is short and you've been feeding your eel stuff on grass, obviously the, the protein content of grass is higher than straw is. Um, so one thing we could be doing with those young stock that have been turned on to straw is supplying them a high protein molasses to go alongside it that can improve the palatability of straw but then alternatively we could offer them a high protein concentrate as well and um, there's lots of options with the old stock and um how but the protein is important for that frame growth to get them their structure to the right size um and obviously to put the right amount of weight on them as well so I suppose instead of feeding the grass silage is what you're saying is to give them straw. But making sure we, we, we take into account that straw is lower protein than grass and we probably can't keep feeding the same feed that we've been feeding with grass silage. We'll need to look at it and alter as appropriate depending on the rest of the ration. More Valley Farmers is owned by farmers and proud to trade with a cooperative ethos. Our shareholders are at the heart of everything we do, and we work with them to improve productivity, profitability and sustainability. Being a farmer shareholder brings many great benefits. You automatically earn loyalty points on essential farm inputs, including compound feeds, blends, minerals, fertiliser and new for 2023, selected total crop performance products and milk replacers. The Loyalty Points bonus scheme earned farmer shareholders nearly £300,000 in the last year, on top of over £740,000 secured by farmer shareholders through our retail discounts. You'll also get other exclusive farmer shareholder offers through the year. The Mole Valley Farmers newsletter posted to your door each month and, as a shareholder, you get voting rights at the annual AGM and have a say in your business. We have a farmer shareholder first approach at Mole Valley Farmers and we believe by working together, we are stronger together. For more information and to join us as a farmer shareholder, visit moleonline.com slash farmer shareholder. Mole Valley Farmers, committed to UK agriculture.
So if you're looking at the silage overall, um, what could then be the risks to uh, to livestock as a result of not being fed enough and uh, perhaps being fed the, the poorly at, at the wrong time? You know, we always talk about a forage to concentrate ratio and um, if we're not feeding enough forage, the rumen's just not going to work properly. At the end of the day, any ruminant is designed for her rumen to utilise forages and turn that into milk, meat, whatever it is. Um, so if we're putting too much concentrate into them, there's there won't be enough of what we call this physical effective fibre and that can upset the rumen massively, end up with acidosis and that sort of thing. So it's really, if you're pushing the concentrate up, still note that you're going to have to look after that rumen because that's what drives that animal at the end of the day. And what about a forage extender product? There's lots of options in terms of forage extender products. Um, we offer a blend and a nut, both are mineralized. Um, and then there's also more speeds available on the market as well, brewer's grains, that sort of thing. Um, all of those you can use to replace forage. So um, typically, if you're using a forage extender product, one kilo of concentrate can replace three kilos of silage. So if you add that up, across 200 cow herd for a month you can save quite a lot of silage but it's so important to balance it properly because if you don't you're going to end up upsetting the rumens so it's not just a quick swap it's look at it properly look at the dry matters um, and make sure it's realistic um i would say at least lisa i would suggest we say, we say this quite often don't we that actually if you're looking at your situation it might look a little bit bleak on the face of it Come and have a word, isn't it, with with the team? Because there's lots yeah. of things that that can be suggested, can be talked about. You know, we'll we mentioned there briefly about maize, but if maize is a late harvest this year, you want to have the conversations now, don't you? Don't don't leave it. Yeah. Absolutely, you know. And there's potentially opportunity for at least one more cut of silage, if not two. You know, if we do have a you know kind autumn like we did last year grass was continuing to grow well into like November really um so you know thinking about how you can optimize that grass now so there is opportunities to put more grass in the field so overfeeding so get higher yields from the grasses that you've you know the grass fields that you've already got um you could have as I said the whole crop fields that have that are bare you might have some fields that have burnt off because it's been so dry and you think, actually, it's not recovering very well. Let's do a reseed now. and Let's have some really fast growing grasses out there that we can take a cut off or at least have an, uh, you know, if we're, if we're getting kind in the summer, we can have an early turnout. So if you've got sandier fields or, you know, lighter fields that potentially you could have an early turnout on, think about those ones and think, actually, could this be better next spring? Um, or, you know, could we potentially get a cut or a graze later on in, in the autumn? You know, you could look at um, some brassicas as well, as I said before, um, for both the young stock and even as a, a break crop. It could be an ideal timing right now to, you know, um, put a break crop into a uh, grass field. So, you know, when I'm saying break crop, it's so just so that you're not having, um, putting grass after grass to try and break the pest cycle. Um, which you know can be quite challenging. The a lot of the problems with the maize in the spring was in fields after grass because uh, rooks, would you believe, were feasting on the maize. They're trying to get the wireworm and leather jackets, which are in the soils underneath, 
and they just basically went along, pulled up the plants and took out the worms or whatever they could find in. They were hungry as well this spring. So that's that's been the, the challenge of this spring. Um, and also, like you say, you know, the, the maize is going to come a bit later, but be prepared to... Um, you know, put a put a grass crop in after the maize. You you don't need to plough. You can just drive straight through with some drip with some seed. And the same goes with um, grass fields because there's so much good equipment now that can overseed with a single pass. You know, if you're if you've tested your soil and you know you know all's in order, your pH is good, your um, nutrients are, are in there ready to go. Then just driving, it can be anything simpler than driving through with some with some seeds to top up, um, and you know that can make a heck of you know a hell of a lot of difference to the ultimate outcome with you know the nutrition team sort you know trying to sort through if they've got enough forage to go through the winter and you know having having gone through last winter with the challenges, let's let's be one step ahead of it. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you, Lisa. Like, because last year was challenging enough, but I think some of some of the farmers I work with were were challenged last winter, but weren't challenged as much as I think they might be this winter because they had that little bit of buffer there. They had that that clamp, that half a clamp that they haven't touched for two years, and um, but that's gone now. And um, you know, one one of my farms specifically, you know, their maize always lasts them until the new year. And the discussions we've been having in the last week is. Is the maize going to last until they harvest this year? We don't know. You know, we're, we're doing that harsh calculation to work it out. Um, you know, I think I've, I've had more conversations about whole crop in the last two weeks than I think I ever have. And, um, you know, with the whole crop, Lisa, what would you, you know, what are you saying to people about, you know, is it the right time to go? Are there more people doing it your side as well? Yeah, definitely. And, um, we we've you know had several conversations, Carenza, you know about potentially uh, you know a neighbouring uh, farmer who's um, you know potentially arable. Perhaps you know you could do a um, you know a um, a swap and and take some of the cereals as whole crop. The spring cereals this year again have massively suffered. So the people that would normally have a decent say barley whole crop potentially haven't got that much out there. So then, you know, you need to go out, have a look at these crops and think, mm, how much is that going to give me in that clamp? And if it's not going to give you what you need and what you previously had, then take alternative action and, and have conversations with other farmers and, and look out for um, replacement forages now um, rather than waiting to the winter when everybody's in the same boat. Um, because, um, yeah, some areas will have had more rain. I, I went, drove up to um, Cumbria the other week and, you know, it was greener as, as we went up. So it's perhaps not every area, but there's going to be, a, a you know, an awful lot of people that are looking for extra forage. Um, silage in your, in your clamp should stay in your clamp. So, you know, using a, a good quality silage additive to make sure you're not losing what you think you're putting in there. So you've gone to all the trouble. And I know I said it before, Seth, but going to all the trouble of harvesting it, growing it. Then you put it in the clamp and you and you forget about it. But actually, you could be losing quite a lot of dry matter, which is what you harvest, and nutritional um, the nutritional uh, uh, products that you're trying to preserve by just not using an additive. So, um, it, you know, in my view, every 
every kilogram of dry matter counts. And I'm sure Karenza would agree with that. No, I think it's the, the more we can do to maintain or to not have these dry matter losses is vital, especially with the stocks being so limited. If we can help our um, members and shareholders now to you know mitigate that and plan ahead, you know we don't. What's the worst feeling ever, isn't it, Karenza? If oh, somebody runs out of forage, like, it's just awful. You know, we've dealt with some herds that did run out last winter and. Um, all the conversations this year is, right, how on earth are we going to stop this happening this year? Um, so, and I think also with the whole crop um, situation, it's um, there, there are ways to improve the nutritional content of whole crop as well. Um, so we can maximum treat whole crop. So that's basically using an additive and urea, and that basically increases the protein content of the whole crop. Um to sort of harvest it at 75 to 80% dry matter um, and then clamp it in a good clamp. It's got to be sheeted right when you do this. Um, but you seal it for three weeks and then you feed it out and it's, re- it's you know, really quite stable when you feed it out and it increases that protein content. It's got a higher pH, so it's better for human health. And maybe alongside the maize that we said might be a bit variable, having a st- more stable treated whole crop might be a way to balance yourself out this winter i yeah the only other thing if people are doing for the first time maximon or crimped grain or those type of things is is rat control it seems a random thing from an agronomist but you know you're like, oh we've got rats so you know think about that because you don't want you don't want um you know um vermin taking taking their part of it and obviously contamination so if you're doing things that are slightly outside of as again, what you would normally do. There's loads of help and advice. Um, and but don't be scared. Don't be scared to do it because um, making those changes could be the difference between you know being comfortable through the winter for forage or worrying that you haven't got enough all the way through. Um, but you know there are there are lots of diff. You can't just do everything that you always do because the climate has changed that's 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 period so um thinking about mitigating and asking what what could i do with this and the nutritionist you know these guys are, are amazing as well and helping you know what would work in with their cows and with their yield expectations and and all those type of things and then we can help with how you physically do it so yeah we work pretty well together don't we really the climate lisa literally has changed you know that's us kind of what, what we're talking about with this um, alongside those processing grains, then, Carenza, would also caustic-treated wheat be something to consider? Yeah, definitely. You know, caustic-treated wheat is is wheat treated with sodium hydroxide that creates more alkali, so a higher pH, um, and it basically makes a better pH in the rumen for rumination. Um, so it must be fed as part of a balanced diet with appropriate vitamins, minerals, etc., and it can be a really good high energy feed for early lactation cows alongside these maximon treated you know products as well and i think you know alongside with the maximon um thing that is a soya free product um is easier to handle on farm than necessarily a caustic product might be um and the maximum reduces the need for bought in protein as well so with the protein markets being so variable at the minute it might be a really good option for the farm that way so um there's loads of options in terms of forages in terms of processed grains forage extender products it's just asking the question of what's out there and maybe utilizing something you've never used before but 
you know, here with the team, we can look at the agronomy and the nutrition side by side and come up what's best for the farm. So if we were going to have just some takeaways from today's interesting conversation, what would they be? So somebody's thinking, okay, here we are, mid to end of July. What's, what's the kind of number number one, two, three priorities I should be thinking about right now? Me, personally, it is measure how much stock you have got, forage stock and animal stock, and take a realistic view of how long that's going to last. If, you, if you've got any concerns, well, everyone has got concerns, it's not going to last, but what are you going to do to make it last or how are you what are you going to do differently don't be in a situation when it comes to the winter where you run out and you've got to buy something oh, and for for me you know that physical stock of the animals goes alongside your physical um walking around your fields looking where your opportunities are looking if you can overseed put some brassicas in do some outwintering look at that maze because it might not be what you think it is so very often once you know once the maze has had its uh, weed control people just shut the gate and then go back in the autumn well, go and have a look at it now because it might not be what you're expecting and in which case you know take action so looking at that treated grain so just yeah really have a focus on on where you think you're going to be and do something now because the opportunity is here right now thanks ever so much for listening today We'll be back soon with another agricultural update from Mole Valley Farmers. If you'd like to find out more about what we've been talking about today, then please visit molevalleyfeedsolutions.com. That's molevalleyfeedsolutions.com. And I'll speak to you soon.